Welcome to Sports Mad Res's This Week in Review podcast, where we highlight the recent news in sports medicine research. Over the past week, we had two posts on sportsmedres.org. That's res.org. In the first post, we highlighted the Exercise and Sports Science Australia's position statement on exercise for people with mild to moderate multiple sclerosis. In the second post, we reported on a study where the authors concluded that food insecurities exist among NCAA Division III student-athletes, and numerous risk factors increase the risk of food insecurity. If we take a closer look at that second post, we find that the authors sought to determine the prevalence of food insecurity among NCAA Division III student-athletes. To do this, the authors surveyed almost 800 NCAA Division III student-athletes in February 2020. The athletes completed a 41-question online survey comprising of 18 demographic questions, 5 questions about food insecurity, and an additional 17 questions about food insecurity developed by the authors. The authors recruited athletes by emailing the athletic director at each program with a request to share the survey information and link with their athletes. The participants that completed the survey ended up representing 20 of the 44 Division III conferences and 19 of the 24 NCAA sports. Most of the participants were white, female, and between the ages of 18 to 21 years. Almost one in five reported being first-generation college students, and 18% received a Pell Grant. Additionally, the student-athletes reported that most attended in-person campus classes. The authors found that overall, the prevalence rate for food insecurity was about 15%. Approximately 30% of student-athletes strongly agreed or agreed that the 2020 NCAA feeding regulations and restrictions of when and what athletic programs can provide contributed to their issues with food insecurities. Two-thirds of the athletes reported that if they had more access to food, their academic performance, athletic performance, and overall health would improve. Lastly, the authors found many factors contributed to food insecurity. Specifically, Many athletes with food insecurity reported that the timing of practices and games kept them from accessing the dining halls. Hispanic and black student-athletes were more likely to report food insecurity and were more likely not to have a meal plan. Furthermore, food insecurity was more commonly reported by those that received a Pell Grant were first-generation college students and reported having food insecurity before starting college. The authors found that NCAA Division III student-athletes are at risk of food insecurities. Furthermore, the authors identified specific groups that are at greater risk of food insecurity. We do need larger studies to better understand how to reduce food insecurity in this population. However, this novel study suggests we need to reevaluate NCAA food regulations and encourage our institutions 
to reevaluate how long their dining services are available to students. The study also suggests that clinicians working at collegiate institutions should be aware of the risk factors contributing to food insecurity. Additionally, they should evaluate their institution's food programs and dining services hours to ensure student-athletes have access to food to promote positive overall health outcomes. Don't forget that we also share extra material on social media. This week's most popular post was a paper where the authors concluded that highly specialized male and female middle school and high school long-distance runners reported higher running volumes and running enjoyment than low-level specialized runners. However, high-level specialized runners had similar number of running-related injuries, quality of life, or sleep quality or duration as their peers. And if you're an athletic trainer who's looking for evidence-based practice CEUs, then please check out our nine online evidence-based practice courses available through the Human Kinetics website. We will have links to our summaries, courses, and the article on our website and in the show notes. Remember, you can always follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We will be back next week with more sports medicine research. Until then, have a fun one.